0: hope your holiday Christmas holiday was a good one welcome back to the start of a brand new week it is Monday the 27th of December 2021 we're cruising on to a brand new year but we have a little memory we need to take care of today so how's it going out there you're listening to Michigan speak out on News source one Michiana let's get on to the news
1: News Nation this hour, I'm Jessica Raines. President Biden is meeting with governors as the Omicron variant continues to spread. The White House is pledging federal supports to states. Speaking virtually this morning.
2: My message to the governor is simple. If you need something, say something. And we, uh, we're going to have your back in any way we
1: can. Biden says he's taking steps to add more capacity at vaccination sites, with more people administering shots, at more convenient times. He says he is also adding more testing. Biden says the government will buy half a billion COVID-19 test kits and distribute them free of charge to people to use at home. There was a high demand for tests over the holiday weekend. Talks aimed at reviving the Iran nuclear deal resume in Vienna. Iran says it's negotiating indirectly with the U.S. Iran's foreign ministry says representatives are exchanging documents through a European negotiator. Iran refuses to talk directly with the American envoy after the U.S. pulled out of the deal and imposed sanctions on Iran during the Trump administration. The talks in Vienna involve other countries that originally signed on to the deal, including Britain, France, Germany, Russia, and China. Israel has begun a clinical trial of a fourth dose of the COVID-19 vaccine to see if it protects against the Omicron variant. 150 employees at a hospital who got a booster dose in August were given a fourth shot of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. Professor Jacob Lavi was the first person to get the fourth shot. He says it's a historic moment.
3: Well, I'm excited to be the first person apparently in the world who got the fourth booster of the COVID vaccine. To paraphrase an old saying, it's a small jab in the shoulder probably a giant step for mankind.
1: Israel has been a leader in vaccine programs. Nearly half of the country's population has received three doses. And over 2,000 flights were canceled over the busy holiday travel season due to staffing shortages from Omicron and bad weather. New Year's is expected to be another big travel day for airlines. Find News Nation on your cable or satellite provider and stay up to date around the clock at newsnationnow.com and on the NewsNation Now app. I'm Jessica Rains.
4: From Feature Story News in Washington, I'm Nick Harper. Global flight cancellations are continuing, with hundreds of thousands of passengers stranded around the world due to rising COVID-19 cases. With Omicron surging in many countries, more flight workers are testing positive and being forced to phone in sick. Tracking website FlightAware shows almost 2,500 cancellations so far on Monday. Almost 1,000 of those flights are within, into or out of the United States. It adds to the more than 3,500 global cancellations over the Christmas weekend. Meanwhile, cases of the Omicron variant are spiking in the US, with some states already seeing higher caseloads than last year's winter peak. In New York City, stricter COVID-19 vaccine requirements have come into effect. Starting Monday, private sector workers will need to have had at least one jab, and New Yorkers aged 12 and up have to be fully vaccinated to participate in indoor activities. As FSN's William Denslow reports from New York. Earlier this year, New York City mandated public sector employees to get vaccinated. Now the same is being applied to the private sector. Mayor Bill de Blasio announced this measure at the start of the month and said at the time that the city won't give a single inch in the fight against COVID-19 and vaccination is the way out of the pandemic. The mandate will impact around 184,000 businesses and comes as the state is seeing record numbers of COVID-19 cases. The new requirements also means that children aged 12 and up will need to show proof of vaccination to eat indoors, enter gyms or other indoor venues. The Biden administration is promising to increase at-home tests next month as COVID-19 testing centres struggle to keep up. America's top infectious disease expert, Dr Anthony Fauci, has acknowledged that the Biden administration must do better. The president announced last week a plan to offer 500 million at-home tests, but shortages suggest a lack of planning. Test centres are also swamped, with long lines of people waiting to get tested, as cases hit highs for the year in at least five US states, including New York. The Taliban has banned women from making long-distance trips unless they're accompanied by a close male relative. The new directive means that women are unable to travel more than 45 miles alone. Human rights groups have condemned the move, saying it further restricts females in the country. The Taliban has already stopped the majority of women from working and closed schools to girls. South Africa has started a week of mourning to mark the death of anti-apartheid hero Archbishop Desmond Tutu. His funeral will be held on Sunday, but with strict Covid measures, restricting the number of guests who can attend. He was the country's first black archbishop and died
5: on Sunday at the age of 90. From Bureaus Worldwide, this is FSN. With FSN Spotlight, I'm Simon Marks. Today, a possible breakthrough in the treatment of peanut allergies that can be fatal for those children suffering from them. For the first time in Europe, 600 children in the UK under the age of 17 are to receive a new treatment that gradually reduces sensitivity to peanuts. The manufacturers of Palforsia say it's a pill that contains tiny doses of peanut protein that are gradually increased during the course of treatment. Dr. George Dutois, a children's allergy consultant, was the UK's senior investigator overseeing recent trials.
2: The standard care at the moment, if you're diagnosed with a peanut allergy, is a very cautious avoidance of peanut. It means you have to you know, be suspicious of every single meal unless you've prepared it yourself, that this may contain peanut. And that takes uh, you know, longer to shop, it's more expensive to shop impacts on quality of life. And then families also need to carry emergency medicines, um, which, you know, it's very stressful carrying around these adrenaline auto-injectors. We're extremely excited that uh, this is one um, licensed, the first licensed treatment for the moderation of peanut allergy.
5: It is an allergy-specific treatment. It's only currently applicable to peanuts, but researchers say they will keep a close eye on the progress of initial recipients of the therapy in a bid both to assess its effectiveness and inform other allergy projects in the future. With FSN Spotlight, I'm Simon Marks. And the main news again. Global flight cancellations are continuing,
4: with hundreds of thousands of passengers stranded around the world due to rising COVID-19 cases. The Biden administration is promising to increase at-home tests next month, as COVID-19 testing centres struggle to keep up. And the Taliban has banned women from making long-distance trips unless they're accompanied by a close male relative. That's Feature Story News, Nick Harper reporting.
0: Welcome back. That was the news. You're listening to Michiana Speak Out on News Source 1, Michiana, for this return after Christmas 2021. Well, hope you had a good Christmas. I know I, I had a good Christmas. I had its ups and its downs. But the, the good points were that I got a chance to be with one of my relations and my friends got a chance to see and have some of their relation. Um, Coming up from central Indiana, it was a weird Christmas, another warm one, Uh, climate change, who is to say, but uh, yeah, temperatures were in the 50s on Saturday, very unusual, mild. Um, Third warmest, according to Matt Rudkin, on record for Christmas, the warmest was in 1982, And uh, so another record uh, warmth, and we got more uh, unusual weather happening this week. We've got super cold weather over in the northwest, just horrific cold that's coming their way down to negative 30, and I'm not even sure if that's wind chill or actual negative 30 temperature temperature. And they're saying on the news, I think it was through channel 16 or somewhere, wind winter storm warnings, mostly part of the mountains, all the way along the west coast down to San Diego, California. Good grief. But we've been told by the weather gurus that winter weather will be coming in January. We are supposed to get some sort of snowfall, but it's going to melt into rain uh, tomorrow. So drive a little early. Be prepared for that. There's also severe weather going to be happening on Wednesday in the south and on New Year's down in the south in areas near or just to the south that were impacted by the tornadoes just a few weeks ago. So please keep them in prayer. Um, And also, uh, we're here to remember a living legend in, in civil rights today yesterday the living legend desmond tutu archbishop synonymous alongside a nelson mandela in the fight against apartheid in south africa passed away at the grand age of 90 early on sunday morning well-loved well-respected helping to fight the good fight in the 1980s against such a, a brutal regime and a brutal treatment of African Americans in the bottom part of Africa. And standing up for what he believed and, and speaking for civil rights in a way that Martin Luther King did and, and, and others back in the 60s. So I brought the news uh, from South African television and posted it up on our I radio station yesterday of what was happening in the country with the news of Archbishop Tutu's passing. And so I have another update when we come back from the commercials on what's happening down in South Africa as the country is mourning the death of a living legend. But before I get into it, on the way home today, went to a gas station, won't say which one, and and came across a sticker on a gas pump, and I told the attendant he needed to call the police, because this sticker apparently, based on the writing that was on it, Was trying to recruit for a far right-wing organization, most likely a white supremacist group. And speaking of the truth and COVID-19 in the flyer, I went in and let the attendant know that they needed to report it to the police. Hate and distortion of things has no place anywhere in society. And I'm going to let all of you know that if you do come across any type of literature, any kind of stickers like this in the coming days, if they haven't already been reported, please report those to the police or the county sheriff because those type of things have no place at all in anywhere in society and any place here in Michigan. When we come back we're going to learn what's going on with our Bishop, Archbishop Tutu's passing and funeral preparations from South Africa as the world mourns the death of a living legend and tomorrow unless news breaks otherwise we're going to replay the update on coronavirus comparing it to the spanish flu with a 2021 update from our own john schaefer please stay safe out there the fog is pretty thick in spots fog advisories out there have a good monday
5: What is dedication?
3: My daughter started making necklaces. She makes what we call affirmation fashion. I tell her every day that your black is beautiful. Your black is beautiful. And if there's anything better than being beautiful, it's being smart. If there's anything better than being smart, it's being kind. And reaffirming that every day is our method of making sure her chin never drops. My dad wasn't around, and I remember riding a bike and falling off and cutting myself, and me never just wanting to get back on it. People ask, how your children learned how to ride a bike, and you didn't. I didn't teach them. I just created an environment where they taught themselves, and all I had to do was be there.
0: That's dedication. Visit fatherhood.gov to hear more. Brought to you by the U.S. Department
5: of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council.
1: When times get dark, we can't see the help that's all around us. Maybe you're not sure how you'll make rent, or you lost your job. When you don't know where to turn, let 211 be your guiding light. Our guides are ready to connect you with the help you need.
6: 211, how can I help you?
1: Call or visit 211.org. 211, get connected, get help. A message from United Way and the Ad Council.
2: Probably a little bit like you. There was a lot of talk about the COVID-19 vaccines. I didn't know what to believe. And I tell you, everyone has an opinion. Some of my friends got vaccinated and some were against it. But I knew this was an important decision, so I went to somebody I already trusted, my doctor. It's your call, so talk to your doctor or healthcare provider and make the decision that's right for you. You can go to GetVaccineAnswers.org for the latest information. That's GetVaccineAnswers.org, brought to you by the Ad Council.
7: Good afternoon. Parliament says Archbishop Desmond Tutu remained faithful to his calling of being of service to the people. The institution says he was a servant of God and a spiritual leader who fought fiercely against apartheid. The Archbishop was usually among the dignitaries invited by Parliament to the State of the Nation Address. The institution says he remained a true patriot and a fearless leader who led from the front even in times of Difficulty, It says he was unapologetic and spoke truth to power no matter the circumstances. National Assembly Speaker Nosiviwe Mapisa Ngakula and NCOP Chairperson Amos Masondo say Tutu laid a solid foundation for peace and reconciliation in the country. They say on the day that former President Nelson Mandela was going to be elected in the National Assembly, as the first democratic president the arch introduced him to crowds at the balcony at the city hall in Cape Town this is the same balcony where Mandela delivered his first speech as a free man on the 11th of February 1990 Archbishop Taba Mahoba today announced a series of events leading up to the Archbishop Emeritus Desmond Tutu's funeral on Saturday the city of Cape Town will host an interfaith service on Wednesday the arch will then lie in state on Friday in the St. George's Cathedral Mahoba has appealed to everyone to attend memorials at their own parishes in order to adhere to COVID-19 protocols. The Arch passed away yesterday morning in Cape Town at the age of 90.
3: The funeral will take place here, and it is here where his ashes will also be interred. But expect announcements in the next day or two from other churches and institutions of state and non-governmental organizations about their events. We know the following main events. The City of Cape Town will host an interfaith memorial service at 6 p.m. on Wednesday. They will announce full details themselves. The Diocese of the Highfeld, which is where Archbishop Desmond started his ministry, uh, uh, he started in Benoni. Uh, so that part of the Anglican family will hold its memorial service at six p.m. at six p.m. on Wednesday. They will also announce the full uh, uh, details but the service will be at St. Dunstan's uh, Anglican Cathedral. In the Diocese of Kimberley and Kuruman, at the Cathedral in Kimberley, St. Cyprian's Cathedral, there will be another ecumenical service on Wednesday at 10 a.m and the diocese of Pretoria will hold an ecumenical and interfaith service at 11 a.m. on Thursday at St Albans Cathedral and they too will announce uh, full details themselves the diocese of Johannesburg where the Archbishop uh, was the first Black Dean We'll also hold a memorial service at St. Mary's Cathedral in Johannesburg at eleven a.m. on Thursday. Uh, and they too will announce their full details. And we will post most of these in the Anglican Church of Southern Africa's website. Now the Archbishop Desmond, due to IP Trust, and the Desmond and Leah Tutu Legacy Foundation will host an event in Cape Town on Thursday evening. And St. Mary's Cathedral in Abecha will hold a memorial service at 10 a.m. on Friday. Other cathedrals in other cities as far as Lesotho, Swaziland, and Namibia, St Helena, will also announce their memorial services in the coming days. Two important points to note. Final details will come from those institutions themselves, and they are subject to change. And two, this is very important, especially for the church community. Please attend services in your local communities and parishes. Our list of possible attendees at the funeral run to 400 or 500 names and more than hundreds of pledging. But COVID regulations restrict attendance at funerals to a maximum of 100 and we must respect that. Only a fraction of those who want to be there can be accommodated in the cathedral. So please don't get into a bus to Cape Town. (laughs) We have arranged those cathedrals and the local parishes so that we uh, cater for your needs
7: archbishop emeritus desmond tutu's neighbors in soweto have reflected on his passing describing him as a father a community activist and a people's person who is forever smiling tutu passed away at his home in cape town at the age of 90 yesterday Let's find out more about what his neighbours in Cape Town had to say about the Archbishop. We now crossed our reporter Mariska Buerta, who is outside the Tutu residence there. Very good afternoon to Mariska. Tell us what you're seeing that side. Good afternoon to you. Yes, you're right. There has been
6: a few visitors here this morning. Yesterday we saw some of the neighbours and local community members coming to pay their respects, but today uh, the mayor of Cape Town was one of the first to come give his condolences. He spent some time with Marlea. They He told us they said a prayer together and he said it was an honour for him to come to the residence and thank her for his life and to give her the assurance that the people of Cape Town are with them in this time of sorrow. Um, Imtia Suleiman, uh, the chairman and founder of Gift of the Givers, also came to pay his respects uh, just a little while ago, telling us that he spent time with Malaya as well. He had a very close relationship with the Archbishop, re- recalling the time he met him as a younger man. He said to us, they were so nervous to meet Archbishop Tutu because his name was so big. This man was at the forefront leading the fight against apartheid. And uh, Dr. Suleiman said he was very nervous to meet him. But, of course, Desmond Tutu is very disarming with that smile of his, that warm embrace. And that's exactly how the Archbishop greeted Inteas Suleiman for the first time. And he says that's how their working relationship with the Anglican Church really started. And that's how Gift of the Givers uh, managed to do projects with the Anglican Church as well on -hmm. a very large scale. Mm. He said, of course, um, it's a great loss for the entire world to lose a man like Desmond Tutu. Of course, Gifted the Givers is one of the foremost aid organizations on the continent at the very least and known around the world. And he said it's men like Archbishop Desmond Tutu whose example must be followed and must be learned from. And Suleiman also said that meeting with Tutu, uh, Desmond Tutu, who is an Anglican, and Dr who uh, is Muslim, he said that also bridge the gap between the faiths and that people understand that working together and doing good does not depend on the certain faith that you follow but that humanity must be served as a whole, as a coming together. Uh, Of course, later today we expect the President uh, Cyril Ramaphosa uh, to come meet Malaya in person to pay his respects. Uh, we have not been told what time that will happen, but we do understand it will happen sometime this afternoon. Um, at this point in time, it's quiet at the house, but every now and again you'll see someone coming up with a bunch of flowers just coming to say hello. Mm. Um, but right now it's quiet, and we await to see what time the president will make his way to the home year in
7: Mariska, you know, since the news has broken, we have heard world leaders, former leaders, uh, captains of industry paying their respects to the Archbishop Tutu, but now I I understand that you've maybe had a chance to speak to some of his neighbours who maybe haven't experienced the large name, but the the neighbour, the person that they live next door to, and perhaps a very different experience there.
6: Not at all. Desmond Tutu was the same with everyone. He was the same with the person living down the street as he is with the world leader. He treated Mm -hmm. everyone exactly the same. As we speak now, we see here, uh, it seems like this could be the president's cavalcade. We are not sure exactly who that is. Um, Let's just see if we can find out. uh, Just a moment. We are trying to establish who is there. Uh, my colleague Pam Zokufa is zooming in so that we can see who he's visiting. We do know that the President himself will make a turn here uh, today. We are just waiting to see who is here. It is a big motorcade, and we do know that the President has confirmed his presence here. Let's just see. We're just moving a little bit. To see if we can see better? Just a moment there to establish who it is. <laughs>
4: We're
6: just waiting to see who makes the way down the driveway towards the home. They've come with an escort. It does not seem like it is President Saro Ramaphosa. We have not seen the emblem on his car, on his vehicle. We will try to establish as soon as we can who is visiting. But the whole day, people will be coming and going. We were told um, that, as you say, Political leaders, leaders in society, society, captains of industry will make their way towards the home to come say or show their respects. Uh, On your question earlier, um, how he was with his neighbours, like I said, he was the same Mm. with everyone. It didn't matter who the person was, whether it was uh, the president of the country, or any particular country, or the person who lives down the street, he treated everyone the same. And of course, he didn't shy away from speaking out and speaking up, uh, especially to those in power. He was not afraid to speak his mind. Um, And as Imtia Suleiman told us earlier as well, he would call a thing by its name, speak the truth, but he was always gentle with people, understanding um, that the human condition is very real for everyone seen benigul escorting the visitors into the home to compare their respects to malia
7: thanks mariska for that update giving us an update outside archbishop Emeritus desmond tutu's home mariska is going to be there for a while and giving us updates as you heard her saying president sir romaposa also expected to come and pay his respects
2: now the rest of the story Richard Warren and Alva Curtis were the original odd couple of private enterprise, a unique mismatch in the history of business partnerships. Dick was a robust, handsome fellow with a mustache, a dapper dresser. He was energetic, aggressive, in a word, impressive. And he was a gambler, business-wise, a bold, brash, risk-taker. Al, by contrast, was subdued, cautious, a gentleman, Tall and strikingly thin, he wore high collars and black suits mostly, reminded some folks of a Methodist minister. Dick and Al, an imperfect pairing of the impulsive and the practical. Demonstrative, indomitable Dick, the ultimate manipulator. Quiet, uncomplicated Al, ultimately manipulable. That's why it worked out as long as it did, I suppose. Dick always got his way. He'd been a fighter from the beginning. At 15, he was already the family breadwinner. To supplement his $6 a week salary as a railroad freight agent, he sold lumber and coal to hometown residents. Then he started selling watches. He bought them for $12, sold them for $14. With a lean, hungry ambition and a true salesman's optimism, he built up his little watch business turned it mail order, netted about $5,000 in six months, and gave up railroading. After a while, Dick considered the profit margin potential of purchasing watch parts and doing his own assembling. Well, Dick knew nothing about watchmaking, so he placed an ad in the newspaper for a watchmaker. The ad ran April 1, 1887, was answered almost immediately by a young man named Al. And that's how it all began. Al was a pushover who apparently never tired of being pushed over. He kept his mouth shut, did his job. That made him an ideal employee, an even better business partner as far as hard-hitting, go-getting Dick was concerned. Al's weak knees did buckle eventually. The business owed more than it was worth. That scared Al. He ran to Dick, begged out. Al was worried about his health, he said, and the pace, and the nerves, and the books Al wanted out. Well, Dick let him out, paid him 25000 for his one-third interest in the company. So was their three years of partnership dissolved. Both lost at life in different ways. Dick, who stayed with the business, became a multimillionaire, but his white-hot enthusiasm burned him out. He died at 50. Al the slow burner lived to be 84. Consequently, he lived to go broke during the crash of 29. Lived to return hat in hand to the old company. Dick was gone. The business enormous. The folks in charge gave Al a low-paying job answering mail. Then they put him at a desk near the front door on exhibit to show customers what a co-founder looked like and so the saga of dick and al in the eyes of history their names are permanently entwined even though they differed so and even then a mere three years for alva curtis roebuck might have told you there never was a softer side of Richard Warren Sears
1: because now you know the rest of the story
6: This is News Source 1 Michiana Elkhart South Bend